0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John Summer is here for real, man. I mean, it's, it's getting, like it's mid nineties this week. I mean, it's uh
1: it's getting hot. But did you hear the uh, Gamecock women won the national title? Basketball. Oh, did they wow, yeah? yeah. No, sure. I, don't,
0: I hadn't heard that. I mean, yeah. gee, it's been a month. I think we've I mean, talked about that like four times on the show here. Maybe, in the past but month, yeah, we maybe. gotta
1: celebrate wins while we can. Hey,
0: I, I don't blame you. Right. That is an incredible accomplishment. No, my hat's off. To Thank them. you. And Thank y'all you. have a pretty good golf team too. Yeah. So. yeah. And
1: football's coming yeah. up, you know. This is my time to break. There you
0: go. We ought to talk about football because, you know, we have one of the best so like bad. The like defense. quarterback recruits, well, and the defense is yeah, supposed defense to look really be good lights too. Out. Yeah, yeah. So we're right around the corner. We're hoping again, you know, that we'll uh, be back up there in the playoffs. So, yeah. uh, but that's right around the corner. That's that's a couple months. It's gonna be fun. But meanwhile, hey, head to the beach. You know, get cool. It's it's it's. Uh, I think summer is really here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a good time of the year. Um, yeah, COVID seems to kind of be tamped down a little bit. Um, exactly. Spiking up a little bit, but you know.
0: Yeah. And speaking of heating up, you know, I mean, the markets have been uh, up and down. They've been, been hot this week. They've maybe some recovery, you know, but it's been a shaky market. So we have some interesting topics to talk about. Um, we're going to start off talking about interest rates. And, you know, rates are rising rapidly. The Fed's raised two times already this year. So the question is, what does that mean to you? Um, you know, does, how does that affect you? How does it affect the markets going forward? There's a lot there. We're going to unpack that and talk through that because that's really, really important.
1: Yeah, no doubt. That's impacting everyone out there. And then we're also going to talk about the uh, the stock market a little bit, um, bear markets. So bear markets when the market is down by 20% or more, and uh, there are certain segments that are down 20%, some of them are down 40 or 50%. So Absolutely. we're going to look back at history a little bit and just look at some of the data. Uh, obviously, no one knows when the markets are going to turn around and fully recover, but uh, just looking at history sometimes can help you um, get over some of the stress and anxiety associated with the market. So that's a, that'll be a good conversation.
0: Yeah, that's really important to keep a good perspective on all that. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 27 years experience in financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis. I'm a certified Dave Ramsey counselor. I also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 30 years.
0: We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday morning.
1: Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. And, gosh, we've been doing this now, the podcast, for since 2015, I think. So we have hundreds of them out there. Um, a lot of different yeah, topics absolutely. from long-term care, kids and money, college. Uh, we talk about markets a lot, obviously, as well. So go check that out. And also a Facebook page, MoneyMD. And I think you're doing
0: the prescription this week. So uh, go, right. go take a look. Absolutely, yeah. And send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. We will talk about those right here on the show. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week.
1: Yeah, this comes from uh, Bloomberg, and um, you know the the, the bond market. Um, we talk about the stock market not having a good year. The bond market has had a a, a tough go as well. So yes, um, here's the stat going back forty six years. Um, forty two of those forty six years, all the way back to um, to nineteen seventy six have been positive about 91% of the time but the 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 bond market is on track for its worst year in history Steve it's down 10% year yeah. to date through um, May the 5th I mean yeah, that's it, a
0: massive number that's shocking for bonds something you consider to be safe and you know, that people go into they think oh I got a very conservative portfolio this is going to be you know just Super safe, sitting on the sidelines of the stock market, and then they wake up and find themselves down ten percent. Ouch!
1: Yeah, and that that's based on the um, the uh, Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index. So that's kind of right. a basket of a lot of different bonds. Now, our our approach with bonds is, hey, let's keep them short term um, and uh, high quality. So uh, the the duration and the length of the bond makes a difference on how much it's down. Some long term bonds are down more than ten percent, but the short term bonds are not down.
0: Right. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And yeah, I think this was a little bit predictable, you know, and that's why we took a very conservative approach or position in bonds last fall. Um, And, you know, hopefully most of this pain is behind us with bonds as the kind of the expectation of these Fed rate increases are now appear to be factored into the market. But you never know. (laughs) Um, You definitely want to be conservative in bonds today. And, you know, and that's why we did that last fall because the Fed made it very clear they were going to start raising rates. And yep. unfortunately, they got way behind and really now I've had to take a very aggressive posture with that. Yeah. And speaking of rates, um, yeah, we're going to start off here, John, talking about the rate increases and what that means for us as individual investors and, and also for the markets. Um you know, we talked about rates uh, before on the show here, but we're talking about begin again today because, I mean, the rate climate keeps changing, and it affects everything in the financial world. I mean, as we know, the Fed has already raised rates twice this year, and now it looks certain that they're going to raise at all five remaining Fed funds meetings this year. Um, in fact, uh, Fed Chairman uh, Powell, you know, stated that it's likely That they would raise short term rates by half percent at each of the next two meetings in June and July, um, just like they did in May. And that's a big deal because, you know, there hasn't been uh, half percent, multiple half percent increases since 1994 um, in the same year. And so that would put short term rates at around two and a half percent by year end. Um, And that's gonna impact, you know, Everything in the economy, you know, the stock market, um, our financial lives. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just this past week, uh, Jerome Powell said that uh, the central bank will continue to raise short term rates, which will likely slow the econ- economic activity until there's clear and convincing evidence that inflation's coming down. He said we, we will go to that point and there won't be any hesitation about it. And the stock market liked that strong language about fighting inflation this week, but of course, you know, that sentiment can change very quickly. Mm -hmm. So you you never know. Um, But with inflation rates not seen since the 80s, you know, the Fed has ratcheted up those short-term borrowing costs in an effort to dampen down spending and capital investments. The Fed's preferred core rate of inflation showed that rate that inflation had risen 6.6% on a yearly basis as of March, and that's well above their 2% target. So Chairman Powell said, you know, that there could be some pain involved in restoring price stability, but we think we can sustain a strong labor market as the unemployment rate remains at a really a historic low at 3.6%. In April,
1: yeah, they really don't have a choice. I mean, inflation is is so right. high, and, and the goal really is to roll back, um, you know, the pandemic era stimulus uh, without tr- triggering a wave of job losses um, with a an abrupt drop in economic activity, also known as a recession. And a lot of people are talking about recession now. So for the Fed, you know, a soft landing would be achieving lower inflation with only a, a modest uh, reduction in economic growth and keeping the unemployment rate. Um, you know, making sure it doesn't con- continue to uh, increase over time. So Chairman Powell said earlier in the month that he, he felt good that there was a, a, a good chance of having a soft landing, um, which is an outcome as it, you know, it increases the, uh, the interest rate. So
0: yeah. no recession. Yeah,
1: yeah that, that's the goal. And that's, you know, you hear that, that's the balancing act. So the, the Fed chair used a, an airplane analogy to illustrate the point. He said sometimes the landing is is just perfect. Sometimes it's a little bumpy, um, but, you know, it's still a good landing um, and you don't even notice it. So, you know, they're, they're, they have additional policy meetings that are coming up. And like you said, I mean, I think the market is priced in, um, hey, there's going to be increases in interest rates. And um, we're going to go through in, in a minute and talk about those impacts, um, right. but it, they really don't have a choice. Uh, inflation is, you know, 8 9% now, and um, everyone is feeling and impacted by it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Fed has made it all very clear, as I just mentioned earlier, that, um, you know, this June 14th, 15th meeting is coming up. They're going to raise a half percent and then another half percent in the July meeting at the end of July. Um, You know, meanwhile, though, American families and businesses, I mean, they're experiencing higher prices, higher interest rates on many of the loans. So, you know, these rate adjustments by the Fed, they tend to quickly flow through the economy in ways that impact borrowers and savers, um, you know, impacts all of us. Um, so what will some of the effects be of these continuing rate increases that the Fed is going through? Well, the first one, John, is, you know, the cost of some loans will obviously go up, you know, as it, it's already happened. So we've already seen some of that. I mean, interest rates on existing credit products would go up um, if you have a variable rate. You know, for example, most credit card rates are variable rates. Um, that means you're going to pay more on any credit card balances that you don't pay off. Of course, as as money doctors here, we don't recommend you carry a balance on your credit card anyway. Yeah. So, you know, that shouldn't affect you if you're following a good prudent strategy of paying off your cards every single month or, or not even using credit cards. In addition, though, banks usually hike rates for new loans as well. You know, immediately after the Fed rate increases. Most of those happen almost immediately. Um, however, if you have a fixed rate loan like a mortgage that's already on your house, then of course your payments won't change. Um, but it's just on new loans. As we've already seen, rates on mortgages have more than doubled in mm-hmm. the last four months and are now over 5% on a 30 year mortgage.
1: Yeah, that's going to start impacting the housing market. It already has started impacting people, certainly aren't refinancing anymore at that rate. So, uh, another benefit of the increased rates is um, you're earning more on your deposits. And that's good news. If you have savings in the banks or you know, money market accounts, unfortunately, what we see is large banks, they're, they, are, are, they quickly raise the rates on people that borrow money, but they're very slow to pay the higher rates to consumer you know, on their deposits. So if you have a lot of savings, you, you may need to, to take a look at some uh, competitive rates out there. Credit unions may be offering higher rates. Uh, Ally Bank, we see as having good, good rates. Capital One, American Express. Uh, I, I actually have mine at American Express okay. and, and they raised it. It's at 0.6% um, yeah, about that. a month ago, but, um, you know, it's just, it's
0: a very slow slog up. <laughs> they, yeah. don't, they don't raise it quick. Yeah, they will continue to go up and I think this next, you know, half percent rate hikes really going to, we're going to see some savings rates over 1%. Um. So, and the top money funds are also paying about a half percent now. So, you know, we're starting to see some real interest on savings. So that's a good thing. That's a a good positive result. Um, However, a negative result from rising rates is, you know, investments could struggle, um, as we've already seen. You know, investments could continue to be hurt for a while. Higher interest rates tend to hurt the stock market for several reasons. Um, And one reason is that companies have to pay more to borrow money or to raise capital. And that higher borrowing cost lowers earnings. Um, Mm -hmm. Another way those stocks are hurt is that future earnings are discounted back to today with a higher discount rate. And that makes today's, uh, you know, makes the value of the stock worth less as you discount all those future earnings to a mm-hmm. using a higher discount rate, the value is smaller, um, less today. And another way, though, that stocks are affected is with demand because, you know, stocks compete with fixed investments for new investment dollars. So as rates go up, fixed investments will offer higher yields, as we just discussed, and they're going to attract a larger share of the new investments compared to stocks. So all these factors mean that stock returns are usually challenged during – times of rising interest rates like this, of course, you know, we've already seen these effects this year. I mean, so the question remains, how long will this process dampen the stock market? And the good news is that stock market is a leading economic indicator and it reacts before the economy or before rates actually go up in anticipation of those changes So just as we've seen this year, you know, the stock market started dropping in early January and rates didn't actually start going up until Mm -hmm. mid-March. So, you know, the market also often reacts to changes in expectations. And, you know, January is when the expectations started to change with regard to how fast the Fed would raise interest rates. Um, So once those expectations about future rates level off, we also could see the stock market start to level out or even begin a recovery. Um, Of course, no one knows exactly how this is going to play out or when market sentiment will change. But history does show that markets tend to move long before the economy or the underlying event actually begins to change. So, you know, this, this could be sooner than you think.
1: Yeah, and we certainly don't try to predict that. No one knows. But, um, you know, when we talk about investments, we also, you know, talk about bonds and fixed uh, income investments. And we, we mentioned that in the Financial Fact. And history shows that bonds um, also initially get hurt when interest rates are rising, as, as the value of the existing bonds has to be discounted to pr- produce a yield that's going to match the yield of the newly issued bonds. So, you know this effect is is the greatest with longer maturity bonds, and this is exactly what we've seen so far this year as bonds have had their worst start uh, to the year in over forty years so you know the good news is that this process could be coming to an end as long as long term rates uh, appear to have um you know leveled off and some analysts are predicting that they're they're thinking that long term rates have peaked and uh will now stop rising provided the uh, fed sticks to the you know those expected rate increases this year so yeah. In other words, you know, they believe all the rate increases have been factored into the to the bond prices because the Fed is signaling, and it basically said we're, we're raising rates. So yep. when that information comes out, it's priced into into the assets.
0: Yeah, we've actually <clears throat> seen mortgage rates back up a little bit in the past couple of weeks, and actually come down a little bit. So that does kind of indicate we may have that all those rate increases may already be factored in. Um, Big question about the stock and bond markets, though, going forward is whether future inflation will dampen in response to these rising rates. Um, Because if inflation starts to moderate, then many analysts believe the markets will start to recover. However, if inflation doesn't respond to those rapidly rising rates this summer that we just talked about, then investors could be spooked by the prospect of even faster rate increases this fall or more increases into next year. Um, Fortunately, you know, we're coming into this rate-raising campaign with a very strong economy and and very low unemployment. You know, this is going to significantly help the Fed kind of beat the buzzer on the recession clock. You know, if the Federal Reserve can get their arms around inflation picture before the economy significantly slows down, um, then the chance for a soft landing without a severe recession seems very reasonable. Um, you know, without a recession, most analysts believe the stock market won't get a lot worse um, than we've already seen. But on the other hand, you know, if this process takes too long and, and unemployment um, or employment weakens, then the prospects for recession will certainly rise and could push markets lower um, So you never know, but, you know, this race against the clock is why markets appear to respond positively to the Fed's aggressive posture they've took took this week toward rising rates. And, you know, the Federal Reserve knows that they're behind the curve and they need to act fast, and, and that's their stated plan going forward. And as markets have already, you know, factored in, you know, these two more rate increases this summer, you know, a lot of people think that. That's kind of played into the market, regardless of how inflation and rising rates play out going forward this year. History will sh- shows that, that you know this cycle will certainly pass, and markets will return to gains in due time. But meanwhile, it might be a great time for you to put any available you know savings you have to work at you know discounted stock market, or at least in a higher paying fixed rate investment. Yeah, so, use this to your advantage. Absolutely, but that's. Our take on rising rates. And that leads us up here to our next thing. And that is the question of the week.
1: Yeah, this question, we just kind of answered it um, a little bit, but it has to do with bonds. Why, why are bonds down 10% this year? Um, you know, the question is, I thought they paid interest and you could redeem them at the end of the, um, you know, the, the, the term for the price you bought them. And that's true. But so here's an example. Let's say you, you bought a 3% uh, coupon bond and that was a going interest rate. And then the rates increased to 4%. Well, no one's going to buy your 3% bond because they could get 4% on the open market. So that right. 3% bond has to be discounted you know, to something less than what you bought it to get the yield equivalent. So as rates rise, the value of existing bonds are, are decreasing. And um, that's where the loss comes from.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I, I like to think of it as the seesaw, you know, with prices on one end of the seesaw and the, the rates or yields on the other end of the seesaw. You know, so when one goes up, the other goes down, mm. right? Um, and the longer you are out on in maturity, the further you are out on that seesaw. Um, so it's just kind of a good visual, I think. You see if rates go up, prices go down on the bonds and vice versa, Longer the maturity, further you are out. Is that you know? a is that a Clemson? Do they teach Do they teach Clemson is. Business School now? We use simple examples at Clemson. You I like know? that. I mean, yeah. we try to make things complicated, yeah. John, because they don't have to be. That's a, that's you a good
1: seesaw. I've never I've Very never heard effective. that. i have to. There
0: you go. There you go. It's probably straight from Clemson yeah. Finance there Department. You there, there you go. let you know? No,
1: that's good. That's a good way of looking at. it. There is an inverse relationship.
0: Absolutely. Between the two. So, there you go. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is bear markets and the truth about investing.
1: Yeah, this comes from uh, Yahoo Finance. Uh, Sam Rowe uh, wrote this, and you know, Steve, like we talked about, opening up the stock market has been on a roller coaster. It's been a tough year. Um, the S and P five hundred is um, kind of the the when people refer to the market, they're kind of referring to the S and P five hundred. It's the largest five hundred stocks in the U.S. Now, you know, there's a lot of there's you know thousands of stocks out there, so it's just one piece of the puzzle, but it was down 18% um, at its low and actually intermarket um, during the day, it was down 19.9. So it wasn't exactly in bear market territory, you know, technically speaking, but I mean, very, very close. It was very close. And the NASDAQ has been down as much as 25 or 26%. So the NASDAQ or technology stocks certainly have been in a bear market. So Uh, And then there's, you know, many, many stocks that are down 40, 50. Um, We've seen stocks down 70 or 80 percent. So it's been a very difficult market. And um, but, you know, it's not the first bear market that 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 uh, the market has had and certainly not the first bear market that you and I have been through. So just looking at history a little bit helps and uh, just kind of puts things in perspective a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and we could debate all the ways that the present market is or isn't like, you know, history's bull and bear markets but that's unlikely to end with any definitive conclusion, right? I mean, nonetheless, um, you know, let's do a quick review of kind of the historic market performance in times like these. I mean, technically, we're in a, a three-year, uh, three years of a bull market that began on March 23rd, 2020, which was the low of the last bear market. Yeah, during the pandemic. Exactly, you know, and, <clears throat> and history shows that, Three of the last 11 bull markets since World War II ended in three years. Um, So from that perspective of duration, you know, it wouldn't be too unusual for stocks to be in a full-blown bear market, you know, sometime and, and and to recover from that sometime before 2023.
1: Yeah, and on the matter of duration, I mean, history, stock market corrections, that's when it's down 10%. Um, have had an average length of about 133 days from the market top to the market bottom. And um, the current correction uh, has run about 131 days, which, which makes it pretty close to um, you know, what we've seen historically from a, um, from a correction, which, again, is down 10%. Um, but, you know, everyone's a little bit different.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and since we're very close to being in a technical bear market, now's a good time to talk about um, history's bear markets. I mean, since 1950, the average bear market lasted for 338 days, and it ranged anywhere from very short 33 days to 929 days, Um, and it saw the S&P, you know, fall an average of about 30% from its high. But, you know, I'd keep in mind that does include a couple really <clears throat> big ones like the Great Recession 2008. Yep. And that skews the average kind of longer and deeper than the median
1: is. It does. It does. And, and bear markets that come with um, recessions, if a re- recession happens, they tend to be a little bit worse. Since 1929, recessionary bear markets lasted an average of about 390 days, a little bit over a year from the peak to the trough, and then um, with stocks falling an average of 39 percent, um, non-recessionary bear markets lasted an average of 200 and uh, two days, with them falling about 26 percent. So, again, we don't know where this is going to end, but I mean the recovery typically is for a bear market is is a year, is what we've seen historically. And you know when you start talking about investing, and this is one of the challenges that folks have in investing is you know, historically speaking, 25% of the years are negative. Um, 75% are positive. So trying to invest in the market, you've got to have that understanding. Short term, there are going to be market sell-offs. I mean, that's what markets do. They, they go down sometimes. Um, the S&P uh, has historically seen an average annual uh, drawdown of about 14% per year. I mean, that's just, it's normal for us to have these type of years. It doesn't feel that way. The reasons are always different. Um, But, you know, in the long run, uh, it's always recovered and we can't predict um, when it's going to recover. In the short run, you know, markets go down. It's really what are your actions and reactions when the market goes down? And, you know, if you can add shares now, um, you know, when the prices are down, it's historically been a great time to build wealth.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, there are some positives, you know, when you look at where we are today, I mean, economic data continues to be very strong. There continues to be massive tailwinds that suggest that, you know, growth is going to persist for some time. Um, Similarly, expectations about earnings growth continue to be positive. Um, You know, and you take that with the falling prices, valuations are getting to be, you know, increasingly attractive. Um, As of As of this week, um, the average forward P.E. for the S&P 500 was 16.6, according to FactSet, And that's below its 10-year average of 16.9, and it's well below its five-year average of Mm 18.6. So, you know, the valuations are getting to be pretty attractive. And so this combination of kind of a resilient growth and improved earnings expectations and valuations has some people on Wall Street saying, hey, you know, now's a good buying opportunity.
1: Yeah, and history also shows that sell-offs like the one we're going through now, they're often followed by sharp recoveries. Um, When you look back at history, again, a decline of 15% or more uh, for the S&P 500 um, has been followed by a positive return in the next 12 months in all but two occasions. Um, And the average gain was like, shy of just 20% from that point. So, you know, trying to time the market on this is, is impossible. Don't, don't do that. And of course there's, there's no guarantee that the metrics continue to, to move favorably. Um, You know, we don't know what the federal reserve is going to do. We don't know what inflation is going to do. But on balance, I mean, overall conditions appear to be favorable. Um, You got to have that long-term perspective. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a process in place. I mean, we're big believers in, you know, the markets are down. If you're building wealth now, you know, putting some additional money in, buying more shares. Um, You know, it depends on the timing of when you need that money, but uh, it's worked out historically very well. And if you're into retirement, most people have bonds um, and some cash that we can pull income from and and leave the stocks alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no way to predict, you know, where this bottoms out. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're not predicting that it has bottomed out by any stretch. Um, You know, nobody knows, but, you know, it is at some point, you know you do reach bottom and and it is going to be an attractive buying opportunity and we know that prices are significantly lower than they were at the beginning of the year so if you have money sitting on the sidelines you know just as I told a client yesterday I wouldn't sit on the sidelines too long with that money you can't predict the bottom and you're you're likely to be sitting here when markets shoot back up if you if you sit on the sidelines thinking you're going to get back in when things feel better, yeah. Well, like you it's said, it's usually too late.
1: Yeah, as mm-hmm. you said earlier, you know the market is the leading economic indicator. It's looking out six to nine months to twelve months in the future, trying to predict what the, what it's going to look like. And when they get a green light and start seeing things, or it's going to move fast. That's I mean, exactly it's you know, right. and, and no one's going to hold a flag out necessarily and say, "Hey, now's a that was a bottom." So just staying invested, doing some rebalancing is is um, has worked historically.
0: Yeah, that's the key, no doubt. Okay, and that leads us up here to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah,
1: there was a study that was just done by uh, TIAA Institute and George Washington's Global Financial Literacy Excellence Center. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is a lot. They do this every year, and um, they basically go out with 28 questions, and they ask um, people of all ages the same question. And, and Steve, it's surprising, but those in their 60s scored very similar to those in their 20s and 30s. So experience didn't wow. help. And the average score was uh, about, they got about 50% of the questions right. Mm. So financial literacy is very, very low. Uh, it's not taught in our high schools, most of the high schools. It is taught in some of the high schools in, um, in Aiken County. Um, so here's the prescription is, you're listening to this podcast, so you're getting some financial knowledge. So forward our podcast to someone that you know. That's a prescription. Get our podcast out no, there. Get, yeah, um, we try to stay away from politics, and there's, we try to you know focus on data and history, and uh, just provide you know a, a different viewpoint than what you're hearing on the news. Uh, you don't hear this kind of stuff on the news. So forward our podcast. Um, and Dave Ramsey has a good podcast as well. That would be another one I would right. say go listen right. to. Um, but uh, we need to increase our financial literacy, and one way to do that is, is to get people listening to our, our show.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we certainly try to disseminate, um, you know, very, and just kind of unbiased, neutral, you know, information out there to educate folks. And, uh, and there are a lot of great financial podcasts yeah, out absolutely. there, but, but people do need to learn the basics about finances. And, you know, just like we we're talking about the inverse relationship between bond yields and bond prices, the, and seesaw. the, the risk, the seesaw there you go, see, <sighs> see it sticks. I remembered it. It sticks. So, but exactly, I mean, that kind of information is is critical. So, yeah, do do forward our podcast uh, to other folks that you know, and and uh, just encourage financial literacy. You know, between you know folks that you you love and know, and your friends, and um, yeah, it's just a great prescription of the week. So we'll stick with that. That's very good. All right, well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. you next week, your more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific
1: investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVisster Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.